Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. A couple updates here on the Evgeny Dodonov situation. If you haven't been paying attention, if you missed the 7 o'clock hour, uh, the Golden Knights uh, traded Evgeny Dodonov yesterday to the Anaheim Ducks. The trade was official, approved by the NHL. And now we don't know if it's actually going to happen because Guinea Dodonov uh, has a no trade clause and Anaheim is supposedly on that no trade list. Uh, But somebody didn't know that. Uh, We're not sure if that's the NHL's fault for not telling the Golden Knights. We're not sure if that's the Ottawa Senators' fault for not reporting it. We're not sure if that's Guinea Dodonov's agent's fault for not uh, making sure that all these teams had this. Somebody screwed up here because Evgeny Dodonov had Anaheim on his no-trade list. But uh, a couple updates. One, Pierre Lebrun said the NHL continues to review the Dadnov trade. Timing uncertain, sources say, on a decision. I what? Real quick, how how long should the, this should be done today, this right? This should be like, like a phone call between Ottawa, the Golden Knights, and the agent, and they're going to say, okay, everyone take us through what happened here, and you can begin with Ottawa. Did he put in the list before July first? Right. It's e- it's an easy yes or no answer, right? They should have documentation of when this list came in. I'll go back to it being Ottawa, so fifty fifty if they were even paying attention. But again, you should have documentation if he was in by July first, and if he was in by July first, okay, he was in by July first. Did you give it to the agent? Did you give it to the Knights? I mean, it should this should be over by now. What are they so, researching? Surely it has to be done today. Um, another one, Jesse Granger tweeted, I've had two sources tell me they believe that the Donov trade will be voided, uh, because the Donov did file his no trade clause with Ottawa prior to the deadline of when he had to file it, but the Golden Knights never received it from Ottawa. So doesn't, I think Jesse's tweet makes the most sense. I, yeah, I, I would think that it's, I think this guy's coming back unless, unless he himself says, look, I don't want to go back. That's going to be uncomfortable. I'll go to, you know what I mean? Or he, he could say that and then the trade will go through, but I don't know if he's going to say that. No, I, I wouldn't. I think, well, okay. What would you do? I would come back. If it's up to the Donov, I would come back. I think a, you mentioned it at the seven o'clock hour. There's the taxes side of this, where you're going to make more money being in Las Vegas compared to being in California. But I also think just from a standpoint of I'm going to the play or potentially going to the playoffs if I'm with the Golden Knights, I want to play in the playoffs if I'm an NHL player. Whereas if you're going to the Ducks, you're not going to the playoffs. So Ooh. I think if I'm Dodonov, I'm okay with dealing with the uncomfortableness that is, well, the front office tried to trade me, but they couldn't. And yep, I'm back in Vegas. Yeah, and I mean, all you have to do is not interview this guy between periods, and it'll be fine. Because if you do, he might start ripping people. I look, you, you, I, I assume you're in the league, or however these guys, you know, Flurry had one. You, I think Stone has one. I think you get to a certain level where you have these, you know, these no trade to ten teams. It seems like in hockey, that's a lot of these guys have them. But if you earn that right, then you should do what you want. They screwed up. Oh, they screwed oh, up. Yeah. I would go right back to the Golden Knights and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, but." I don't want to go there. <laughs> and I told you guys, I told Ottawa on time a day before, I think, I don't know if it was Jesse's tweet or someone else said that he had in uh, June 30th and the date was July 1st. And if that's true, he has every right to go back to the Knights. I, it, this is the, the one person that is not a fault in any of this is the player. No, 
not at all. Not at because that imagine this with Evgeny Dodonov, by the way. He sat down one day. He got he in contract negotiations, he got a 10 team no trade list, right? Which I yeah. imagine is is a is a that's a sticking point when you're negotiating with a team on a contract, right? Hey, we don't want to give you a no trade clause. Well, I want one. Well, we'll do 10 teams. Right. And then he sat down at some point and he thought through, okay. What 10 teams do I not want to go to? What 10 teams am I saying, no, thank you. You can't trade me to those 10 teams. So he probably put a lot of thought. What 10 teams were on his list? And then he actually gets traded to one of those teams that he sat down and said, no, I I refuse to go there. It is unbelievably bad from somebody in the league. Maybe it's Ottawa. Maybe it is the NHL combination of both. I guess there's a chance the Golden Knights still have some blame. Well, okay, let me ask you this on the Golden Knights side of things. From like a fan and media perspective, right? We don't get contracts. We're not able, no. like they're not public we, knowledge. It's we not like other sports. See, we don't know what Pete DeBoer or anybody right. makes. We can't see contracts. So nobody like really knows Evgeny Dodonov's no trade list. But these things get reported, right? An agent or a GM will tell a reporter, hey, anonymously, right. this is the details of the contract. He's got a 10-team no-trade clause, right? That'll get reported a lot. Um, you know, for example, William Carlson has a, has a 10-team one. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, I think, is a, it's an 8-team one or something like that. Like, the Golden Knights have guys that have sort of this 10 or 8-team no-trade clause. The part that's confusing from a media or a fan perspective is if you go like capfriendly.com is a terrific website to see every team and all their contracts and where they are against the cap. Mm -hmm. If you had gone to cap friendly yesterday or the day before, before Evgeny Dodonov had been traded and you went to Evgeny Dodonov, you would see modified no trade clause 10 teams. Cap friendly had that. Now they don't have the 10 teams, but cap friendly had that. And if we're looking at the Golden Knights here, wouldn't they be aware of that? Like, wouldn't they know that, hey, Evgeny Dodonov has reportedly has a 10-team no-trade clause, even if it wasn't officially submitted to them? Wouldn't, shouldn't they no. be aware that he has that? And I mean, I guess you should be aware. Point, of, ask? Yeah, I guess you should be aware of everything if you're going to move a guy. I, yeah. I guess it should be your responsibility to know everything about him and everything about his contract. I still... Okay, this is interesting because we said it the first hour. Like, I'm not going to put blame on them. I, I'm not going to think they pushed it through. Like, I'm not going to think that they pushed it through knowing Anaheim was on the list. But you make a good point that why didn't they know that he had the 10 trade? Because if they knew the 10 trade, wouldn't it be easy to say, hey, guys, which are, who are the 10 teams? Yeah, and okay, so here's, like, if we're assigning percentages of blame here, I think the Golden Knights are going to come in with the lowest yes, percentage. Yes. At the end totally of the day. Agree. I think there's totally still agree. going to be there's still going to be some like they probably should have been aware that this guy had a no trade clause when they traded for him. So there's there's some blame for the Golden Knights, but I I think it's maybe like 2% whereas we'll find out when we find out the exact details here. I don't know if it's the NHL deserves 75% if the Senators deserve 75% whatever. Like but I I think the Golden Knights it's like 2%. Like they're the least they're the least egregious party in this entire situation where whose fault is this? I think they're at the bottom of the list. It's going to be either the Ottawa Senators never submitted it and screwed Dodonov over or they did submit it and the NHL somehow lost it or didn't i don't know didn't apply it or forgot whatever happened there i think it's going to be one of those two parties that is the bigger blame here so 
if this trade does get reversed and Dodonov comes back to the Knights, which it's looking like it will, do the Knights go to him and say, you know what, sorry, this was a cap move. We'll work with you in the offseason and we'll let you go to, we'll try to work something out with whatever team you want to go to since they oh, probably still have the to gold. get his contract off the books. It's the Golden Knights. They won't even talk to him about it. They'll bring him back and be like, all right, you're on the second line tonight. Let's go score a <laughs> What goal. if they said nothing to this poor guy? They, they probably sent, won't. They sent like an Uber over to pick him up. If they even did that, or the kid had an Uber back to City National and he walked in, they're like, hey, well, you're late for practice. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, does this mean, well, if this is voided, I guess this means they don't get the poor kid in Boston who's not going on LTR. No, they do not that get guy, John Moore. They don't get John is, Moore? And they don't, get, they don't get to pay off the Boston. contract? No, they don't get to pay off uh, Ryan Kessler's contract oh. either, which I, yeah, I... I would have to imagine. So, okay, the other the other question here on the Evgeny Dodonov trade, which may or may not happen, even if it doesn't happen, this is good news for Riley Smith, right? I was just going to ask you that if that if you thought yesterday, because you know you said yesterday, move somebody. If you're not going to do anything, move somebody on these UFAs and get some value back. Because if you don't think you're bringing them back, why would you keep them? Whether it was Yanmark or Riley Smith or whoever, the perception. Uh, across social media was that it's good news for Riley Smith that they moved uh, Daddy and that this means uh, an extension for Riley Smith. Right, and that was sort of my assumption is that, okay, if you're going to trade one of your $5 million wingers at the deadline trade to the, try trade to create the UFA. cap space, right, you trade the one that's not going to help you next season because he's an unrestricted free agent and he's going to go somewhere else. But because they didn't trade Bradley Smith, because they tried to trade Evgeny Dodonov, and we'll see if they actually succeeded or not, that to me implies they might be bringing Riley Smith back, that there might be an extension or a re-signing with Riley Smith, either before the season ends or once the offseason gets here, that Riley Smith might still be a part of this team next season. So I, I took that as good news. However, I will say the other part of this. The trade the Golden Knights made yesterday was dumb. They added more cap to their to next year's team. Like that trade, by getting rid of Dodonov, they actually added more cap because they took back that John Moore contract. They took back Johnny Moore. Like had they just dumped Riley Smith, they would have created more cap space than taking back this right. John Moore contract. So, again, I, can, I, I said it at the 7 o'clock hour. If you're the Golden Knights today, I think you want this trade to be voided. I think you are better off without this trade going through and deal with the awkwardness of, of Evgeny Dodonov having to come back. But I think you're better off because your team, again, I, I don't get the trade. Like, it doesn't help them now because you're losing Evgeny Dodonov right now who could help. You just got shut out last night. You could have had a guy who scored five in his last seven play. Like, it doesn't help them right now. It doesn't help them next season because... John Moore is still under contract for next season, and that guy's <laughs> going to count against the cap. That guy whether will never he, come here. Whether he ever plays or not, whether he ever sets foot in <laughs> Vegas or not, he's going to count against the salary cap unless they <laughs> trade him. And I, it doesn't help them now. It, do, it makes it harder next season because they just added this guy's cap, John Moore's cap to their roster. The only benefit it gives them is potentially like six games of Mark Stone at the end of the year. 
And that seems to be much less significant than John Moore on your cap next year and not having Evgeny Dodonov right now when you're playing games you need to win to go to the playoffs. They better tell the kid who, uh, the locker room attendant who takes the names down and puts the new ones up because that Dodonov kid's going to come back today and it's going to be, who the hell's John Moore? It's going to say Moore. <laughs> it's going to say Moore. Where'd my locker I know English there? is my second exactly, language. Exactly, but, but I know that doesn't say Dodonov on there. That's not my last What if John name. Moore just comes to Vegas for vacation in the summer and says, I got to check in with the team? Like I got to collect my checks. Yeah, they exactly. haven't set up direct deposit exactly. yet. I got to go collect. I got to go to City National to get all my money. <laughs> He'll be here for the first round of playoffs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, a watch party with John Moore. Yes. That'll be the that'll be the <laughs> fan event when the Golden Knights are in the playoffs. Is come watch the Golden Knights in the playoffs <laughs> with John Moore. I can't wait for him to uh, get healthy, uh, playing with another NHL team, and he get a tribute video. Oh, that would be awesome. For the 12 there. hours that he was a Golden Knight before will the Donoff, this trade gets Will the Donoff get one if he comes back to Anaheim? <laughs> Has he done enough? Has he been in Put it this way. Has he been in enough videos? No, Ed, Ed. The Donov gets one. What if he gets if he one and comes, comes back, back to tomorrow night? Knights. Yeah, tomorrow he night. Comes back to the Golden Knights and their next home game. They Please do welcome, welcome back, back Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Be incredible. The Be only incredible. nickname I, I will always use. I don't use oh, anyone else's nickname except this poor guy. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. The last two NCAA tournaments have been littered with former UNLV players and coaches having success. Obviously, TJ Otzelberger this year is in the Sweet 16, took a team that was 2-22 and 22 last year and got into the Sweet 16. But if you look back over the last few years, and I'm, I'm curious, which of these do you think is harder for UNLV fans to look back at and sort of swallow? Is it A... TJ Otzelberger going to the Sweet 16 one year after dumping UNLV with a 2-22 and Iowa State team. Is it B, Chris Beard taking Texas Tech to the Final Four two years after he left UNLV, being the coach for a whole two weeks. And now he's at Texas, where granted, they got knocked out uh, in the round of 32, but is still having success with Texas, still in the NCAA tournament. Or do you think it hurts more from a player level? Because you've got, you know, Jonathan Chamba Chachua, he won the national championship at Baylor. There's also Caleb Grill, who's with TJ Otzelberger at Iowa State as one of their rotational players. And then there's Arthur Kaluma, who is a starter at Creighton. He uh, was had 24 points in their loss to Kansas in the round of 32. Kaluma was committed to coming to UNLV under TJ Otzelberger. When Otzelberger left, Kaluma decommitted and ended up at Creighton. But that very easily could have been Arthur Kaluma scoring for UNLV in the NCAA tournament. Which of those do you think UNLV fans look at and think is like hurts the worst for where UNLV is right now? I think because it's uh, the what they've seen last is TJ Osselberger leaving. I think they think he went and got a two two win team. He's in the Sweet Sixteen. They probably think he could have done that here. You know the player Kaluma. Uh, I mean, he was going to come with TJ, and then Chris Beard, like you said, he was here so. He was, you know, I, I'm sure he would have won here, but he was here two weeks before Texas Tech sent the two planes to get him. Um, I think it's T.J. Osberger. I think watching him through this tournament 
as I've seen on social media, watching him through and getting to the Sweet 16 really, really bugs people. So I, I think that is the right answer because Chris Beard is probably the one that UNLV fans should be the most mad at because he took a job for two weeks right. and then left. Like Otzelberger, granted, he left early and his last team wasn't very good, but or at least coached the team for a game and two whole seasons, whereas Beard d- didn't even make it that far. And the other part with Chris Beard is that even if Beard had stayed at UNLV, even if he had turned down Texas Tech and said, you know, I, I just took this job, I got I to gotta honor that, he would have been gone after a season or two anyway. That's been Chris Beard's entire career. He jumps from job to job. He, he left Texas Tech after a couple of yeah. years to go to Texas. So Beard, even if he doesn't le- take the Tech job right away, he's still leaving UNLV pretty soon. The Otzelberger one has to be the one that hurts the most simply because there was no other school that was going to offer TJ Otzelberger a job that he would have left for. It was only Iowa State. That is the only power conference school that was going to offer him a job last offseason. He hadn't really done anything at UNLV. I mean, his biggest accomplishment was they ended San Diego State's undefeated season Mm -hmm. in the COVID year. Like, he hadn't done anything, so there's no way another school was going to offer him. If uh, Steve Prohm, the head coach at Iowa State before Otzelberger, if he goes instead of two and twenty-two, if he goes what ten and fourteen, and keeps that job, Otzelberger's probably at UNLV. TJ's the coach this season, right? Like he sure. doesn't go anywhere. And here's the other part of this. And okay, the Zayon Collins part of this deserves a big caveat because he killed a guy in a car crash, right? Like I mean that that happened with Zayon Collins, and that you know, blew up an entire recruiting class from the UNLV standpoint. But there is a scenario where UNLV has TJ Otzelberger coaching the team this year. Zayon Collins doesn't get in that car crash. He's the starting point guard of the team. He's the best player on the team. Arthur Kaluma, again, just scored 24 on Kansas in the round of 32. Arthur Kaluma is the second best player on this team. Bryce Hamilton returns and is, this, well, maybe he's the second best, but Bryce Hamilton returns, and that's your big three under TJ Otzelberger. There's, like, that that's not too far from reality. That could have been this season. That and could have UNLV's, been an NCAA tournament team. UNLV's probably in the NCAA tournament yeah. if that happens. I mean, in, in all seriousness, that that's not that far away from having been reality for UNLV, and it didn't happen. I mean, obviously, a lot of things, one extremely horrible thing, Right. happened and stopped all that but that's not far from reality i think if you look back on it that's a it's brutal for UNLV fans i mean that's that's how close you were and that's the other part of this is that you look back tina kunza murphy hired chris beard i yeah. mean the guy took texas tech to a final four yeah. he's at texas now desiree francois hired tj otzelberger who again six years as a head coach He's been in the NCAA tournament of the NIT in four of those six seasons. The only two he hasn't was the two years he spent here. Like, UNLV has hired good basketball coaches when they fired their coaches or when they've left or fired or whatever, and they have not been able to actually convert that into UNLV having success. It is unbelievable. Now, there's one— By the way, Teen also hired McCronin. Yeah, well, she thought she hired McCronin. She thought she hired him, but it was McCronin. And then, and then we found out that UNLV was on his no trade list, and that whole thing exactly. got voided because <laughs> UCLA <laughs> didn't uh, put put it in. Cincinnati didn't put it in. The one other thing I want to touch off, touch on here in Bischoff's briefs, there is a very distinct pattern that is two decades old for UNLV. For the last two decades, every coach that UNLV has had has either left for a Big Twelve job and had immediate success, or never gets a head coaching job again. 
Uh, Charlie Spoonauer, if you go back, he was UNLV's head coach for three years. Did not go to the NCAA tournament with UNLV. He retired. So he didn't like get fired and couldn't get a job. He just retired. But then Lon Kruger came along. Seven years as head coach at UNLV. Went to four NCAA tournaments. He left for a Big 12 job. Went to Oklahoma. Made the NCAA tournament in his second year, by the way. And got a Final Four appearance in his time at Oklahoma. Then Dave Rice came along. Had some success. They went to a couple NCAA tournaments under Dave Rice. Then he was fired. He was an assistant coach at Washington, but has not been a head coach again. Chris Beard comes in. Two whole weeks as head coach. Leaves for Texas Tech. Elite eight in year two. uh, In the final four in year three. Now he's at Texas. Marvin Menzies is the next coach. Three seasons. No NCAA tournament. Hasn't been a head coach since. Then Otzelberger. Two seasons as head coach. No NCAA tournament. But leaves for Iowa State. Is in the Sweet 16 in year one. So what you have is Charlie Spoonauer. Never coached after leaving UNLV. Head coach. Kevin Kruger left for, a, or excuse me, Lon Kruger left for a Big 12 school. Dave Rice, never head coach again. Chris Beard, left for a Big 12 school. Marvin Menzies, never head coach again. TJ Otzelberger, left for a Big 12 school. So if that path, if that pattern continues, this is the only head coaching job Kevin Kruger will ever have. <laughs> he will because not... the, the next in line is to never be a head coach again. All right. Um, hope he's not listening. I hope he's not either, but that's the pattern. <laughs> feel bad for him. It is. It is amazing that him. that has happened. Three, six straight coaches over two decades either never coach again 12. or go to a Big 12 school. So maybe maybe Kruger bucks the trend and he just stays here forever, or maybe he bucks it and he just also leaves for a Big 12 school. Right after a job. Exactly. <laughs> but that is the pattern of UNLV basketball. And that's why yesterday we had Mike on. That's why they're cursed. Oh, yeah. You're back to your curse. They, they've you're had two coaches. Curse. They've had two coaches leave for a Big 12 Not job sure. in the last five years and have zero NCAA tournament appearances to show for it. That is unbelievable. How, did, how does that happen? How do you lose multiple coaches to a power conference? Multiple coaches get poached by better schools, and you did not go to the NCAA tournament one yes. time. That, not once. That's, that's, <laughs> I didn't even think of it that way. That's hilarious. They, they don't even that's have hilarious. like... They don't even have like a, oh they went twenty seven and four won the right. regular season right. but they're not but didn't win the conference tournament. They're not the St. Peter's in. coach who's about to get the Seton Hall job. Right. They don't. They, they they're don't not a guy that. who goes in and makes a run and says oh you're going to get a better job out of this. Like, like just just look at Otzelberger and Menzies right. Menzies was the head coach in New Mexico State for like what nine years and they went to five. No NCAA they went, no they they actually won a lot. And and he got poached. Otzelberger was the head coach of South Dakota State. They went to two NCAA tournaments yep. and one NIT in his three years. And they, took they got him. poached. When coaches gets poached, it's because they've, they've gone won. to the NCAA tournament. Yes, exactly. And you would always have two in five years that didn't do that That's for them, what, so. I mean, there's at least two or three coaches each year in the NCAA tournament who get poached by bigger schools just yeah. because they win a game which a lot of people think is kind of funny because they put so much emphasis on this event, and that's why UNLV not being there from, since 2013 hurts them so badly, how huge this event is and how important this event is in everyone's eyes, and they can't get back there. But that's what happens. You go to the NCAA tournament. Like, again, it's, it's already been written that the St. Peter's coach is going to – now he went to Seton Hall, so that's an easy hire, but um, he's going to get the Seton Hall job. I feel so – I feel bad for UNLV fans. I mean, this in all seriousness, they have been – very close to having competency and having an NCAA tournament uh, in the last eight, nine seasons, and they have not had a single one because somehow the Iowa State job comes open. Somehow they lose their best recruiting class under Otzelberger. Somehow Beard's gone. Like They have been very close to having really good coaches and good recruiting classes leading this team, and it just none of them worked out. Not a single one has actually worked out for this team to go to an NCAA tournament. Coming up next... Ryan Wallace joins the show. 
This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. All right, Ryan. Uh, let's. I'll ask you a simple question with a difficult answer. Who? <laughs> what team does Evgeny Dodonov play his next game for? Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it could be the Anaheim Ducks. It could be the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I think we've narrowed it down to two of thirty-two. So at least that's a start. Uh, wh- okay. Whose fault is here? I guess we don't have enough details to actually put the blame here, but like at the end of the day, do you think this ends up falling on Ottawa's Senators screwed up, the NHL screwed up, his agent, maybe the Golden Knights? Like, Where do you think the blame ultimately ends up falling here for how a guy got traded to a team on his no-trade list? Yeah, so I, I think that there's kind of blame to be spread all the way around, right? Like, It certainly sounds like the Ottawa Senators, when the Golden Knights initially traded for Evgeny Dodonov, it sounds like the Ottawa Senators either did not provide the league with Evgeny Dodonov's no trade list and did not disclose that to the Vegas Golden Knights. But again, like you've got a player under contract for eight months, um, you would imagine that that any clause that that may or may not have come up would would be something that you know the Golden Knights would would essentially discover over the course of those eight months, especially when you're kind of looking to to trade a player, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is the league allowed this, right? Like, the league didn't have any record, it would appear, of the no-trade list when the trade call happened with Ottawa, and they certainly approved this trade to Anaheim operating under the assumption that uh, there wasn't a no-trade list that, that would have precluded it getting Dodonov from going to Anaheim. So, uh, in my estimation, like, if the league approved the trade, and now, now it's all in dispute, like, it should have never gotten to that point based on the league, based on the trade call, based on all that. So I think there's blame kind of be, to be spread all the way around. But ultimately, the fact that this trade was initially okayed, greenlit by the league um, yesterday, it, it, that that to me is kind of the most egregious error in all this. Ryan, is it, if it's nullified and he comes back, is there any... I mean, it would have been two days. I mean, we were joking that uh, the Boston, the guy in Boston has his locker now. Uh, but is there any fallout um, from this at all? Or does he just come back and they just say, look, it was cap it was cap stuff. It had nothing to do with you. You're playing well. Get back on the third line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if, if the trade essentially is reversed or nullified or whatever the case may be, and Evgeny Dodonov becomes a, Ve- a Vegas Golden Knight again, um, it would make sense to play him because – you're depleted, right? Really, this is still a very depleted lineup. You saw it last night in their in their listless performance offensively. Um, yeah, you put him right back in the lineup, and you hope that he just goes about his business like he was before the trade, where he was scoring goals almost at will. Uh, does this? Uh, does he get a uh, like welcome back video on Thursday when they're <laughs> home against the Predators? <laughs> I would love that, honestly. Like, I think that would be really cool. Um, I don't think that'll happen because I don't think you want to draw more attention to this this trade. But um, that being said, I I would like be here for the welcome back tribute video for sure. You've got 15 goals to choose from, Tyler. You can you can stretch that out to 30 seconds. Is this good news for Riley Smith in terms of an extension? Um, I mean, I think if the trade goes through, perhaps. But you know, again, like if if the trade is reversed and Evgeny Dodonov comes back in the Vegas Golden Knights and he's with the team at $5 million for next season, then I, I just I don't see an avenue for 
a Riley Smith extension where he's not taking a very, very, very team-friendly deal. And, you know, that might be in the cards. That might be kind of where he wants to be and what he wants to do. But I, I also think that if you're looking at Riley Smith on the open market, he's going to command quite a bit of money, and it's money that the Golden Knights don't have next year. Can you help me out if we assume this trade does actually end up going through somehow? Can you help me out with the logic from the Golden Knights standpoint? Because I, they gave away a player that could help them right now. They yeah. added a couple of bad contracts, one of which doesn't have an impact on the cap, just Bill Foley having yeah. to pay it in Kessler. But they add John Moore, who they aren't going to put on long-term IR, so he's going to count against their cap. Like, I, what's I, I don't understand what the Golden Knights accomplished here. Like, is it just simply, hey, they might get six games of Mark Stone? Well, I, I think that that's kind of the the other side of the coin here that we don't know, right? Like, how many players are they looking to activate? Probably, I, I would argue, in the next two weeks, right? Or the next week and a half. And if this trade was the key, and I'm not saying that it is, because I'll be honest with you, when it comes to the cap, when it comes to the difference between, you know, three, essentially it's $3 million is what we're talking about here, right? Because when you, you trade out $5 million and it's getting to Donoff, and you've got the buried cap of $1.5 million and John Moore, it turns out to be about $3.5 million that you're actually saving uh, this year. So if that's the difference that, that you needed to activate Mark Stone and have Jack Eichel in the lineup at the same time, and you were kind of waiting on the opportunity to do that, and say Mark Stone's able to come back Thursday or Saturday, and you've got him for the stretch run, and you make the playoffs, and you go on a bit of a run, then yeah, it's certainly worth it to, to move that out. But that is kind of the aspect of this trade that we, we don't know. What were the corresponding moves going to be from the Vegas Golden Knights that that utilize the extra $3.5 million that you opened up in cap space? Um, ideally, I'm not quite sure why you bring on another contract that, that adds to your cap, not just for this year, but also next year, because part of the reason you're trying to move on from Dodonov now is so that you don't have that $5 million on your cap next season, but then you bring in a player that's making 2, 2.75 buried cap one, 1.6, and that's going to be on your books next year, too. So I, I'm sure there are reasons that at some point will become clear, but right now it's all a muddy track for me. So have you seen enough, even though Kelly McCrimmon said he expects Robin Leonard back, uh, I don't know if the word soon yesterday, but he expects him back. Have you seen enough of Logan Thompson that Logan Thompson will definitely be the backup if they make the playoffs? Um, whew, I think Pete DeBoer's seen enough. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, Logan Thompson's given them a chance to win every night, and, and I think that's kind of where it, it goes right now. It's a game-to-game evaluation, a game-to-game basis. I feel like, you know, if, if you're Pete DeBoer in this situation, you're going to ride the hot hand for as long as you can until Logan Thompson is not giving you a chance to win. And then if Robin Leonard's back by then, great. If he's not, you're going to have to go to Laurent Brossois. Um I think the, the issue becomes in the playoffs, you're, you're hopeful, right, that Robin Leonard will be healthy the, all the way through. Um, but, you know, down the stretch run, you're, you're probably going to have to rebuild some of that confidence in Laurent Brossois. So it can't just be Logan Thompson's net. You've got to balance needing wins with trying to build up somebody else. Uh, but right now, for the foreseeable future, the net belongs to Logan Thompson. And if he continues to play well, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the guy that gets the backups, the backups, um, the backup spot in the playoffs. I, you're, you're absolutely right. If, he, if the coach feels most confident in him, he's going to be the guy. Uh, who starts tonight? Do you think they go back to Logan Thompson on a back-to-back? Uh, I would, um, but I, I've also kind of come 
all the way around to results are all that matters. You need wins, so you got to give your you got to give yourself the best chance to win. And, and you know, given the fact that the Golden Knights offensively just don't really have much in the lineup right now, um, I think you go with a goalie that's that's going to give you the best chance. And, and it certainly did not go well for Loren Brossois the last time he was in Winnipeg. I'm not sure that I try to build his confidence back in that building, but who knows? Maybe you put him back in the in the net. Maybe you you hope that he can kind of avenge that that performance from last week. And if he does, you're able to build him up a little bit in this game too. I would start Logan Thompson. I wouldn't be surprised if Florent Brossois gets the start though. Oh, you start him back to back. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. like AHL, like they 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 play three and three nights in the AHL. Like it's not uncommon for goaltenders to start back to back days. So I, I don't think that would be an issue for Logan Thompson. He played incredibly well. Uh, last night against Minnesota, and frankly, he's kind of the reason it wasn't a six or seven nothing defeat for the Vegas Golden Knights. Who is the Minnesota Wild's best goalie now? Is Flurry actually better than Cam Talbot? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out because, um, like, it, Cam Talbot had some nice stops last night, but it's not like the Golden Knights were lighting the world on fire offensively. He didn't have to do a whole lot, but you know, he made the saves that mattered, obviously. Um, I think Cam Talbot's won like his last six games, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what that goalie uh, controversy looks like. But hey, that's Minnesota's problem now. Like you guys deal with the fact that you've got two number one goalies, and you're trying to figure out how that works and see how it goes for you. Have you ever drug anyone from the crease like poor William Carlson got drugged last night? What was that <laughs> no, about? That was I, weird. Looking at that. Yeah, I'm I'm usually the one that gets drug out of the crease. <laughs> to be honest, like <laughs> that's that's when when. When I play hockey, like I'm, I'm usually the one that falls down, and people are, are pulling me off the pile. Um, that yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. Like, there's, there's like no two ways around it. And, and you know, good for Nick Delorier um, for ingratiating himself to his new teammates and, and obviously his new fans there in Minnesota. But um, you would have liked, I think, a little bit more of a, of a response in that situation from the Golden Knights. Like, it was a game where nothing was going right. It was clear offensively they weren't going to do much. Like in that situation, I'd I'd have loved Keaton Colasar to just go over there and and start something with Nick yes. Delorier because that's just embarrassing. Uh, by the way, obviously the Golden Knights Ducks trade is a massive problem for the NHL. But why the hell did it take like four hours for these trades to go through yesterday after the <laughs> deadline? I don't know. Like I, you would imagine, right? That maybe there's a, a more sophisticated way to get trades into the queue. But I don't know. Like if if we're using fax machines still in, in 2022 like maybe <laughs> maybe that's a problem i don't know maybe the grid went down tyler i, I like honestly <laughs> i i don't know it, it it was a very strange and weird day and like here's the thing that i think is most interesting about all this like all the insiders have these trades before the trade calls like in the morning <laughs> up to the trade deadline and then like once the deadline hits i don't know if it's just kind of like hey now we can relax now everything's good like there's radio silence for like an hour and a half, two hours. And all of a sudden it's like the queue finally goes through and then the insiders have more information on trades. Like, I don't know. It's very weird. Trade deadline day is such a crazy odd day to begin with. And, uh, and yesterday was no different. It was, it was pretty wild for sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Good commuter. My bad. Hey, Ryan, uh, could you tell me what's your favorite alias a caller has? Oh, um, yeah, well, I like them when they're, like, interesting or funny. Uh, but, you know, last night we had a, a, an alias 
for, for Hudson, and that turned into a, a pretty pretty fun call. So uh, I'll, I'll go I'll go Hudson. All right, there's Jared Justice asking a question that nobody else has any idea. <laughs> okay, what's happening. fine, Ryan. W- Ryan sometimes gets callers who that he's like, dude, stop calling. You ask the same question each week. So instead, they just are like, I'm going to call with a different name. And it's the same question each week. It's a foolproof system. You can't beat it. Um, call Ryan and give him a different name every single time on the VGK postgame show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. They got another game tonight. So another chance to do it again. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much as always. For Thanks, Ryan. Us. Thanks, guys. All right, we've got tickets to go see Morrissey, his Viva Las Vegas residency at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. We've got tickets for the July 1st show. If you want to go see Morrissey at the Coliseum, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number five. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, a couple of updates. Still nothing final on the Evgeny Dodonov situation. First off, this is from Elliot Freeman, who says, somehow on the trade call from Ottawa to Vegas in the offseason, the Golden Knights and the NHL were led to believe the no-trade list had expired or was not filed properly, but there is a correspondence proving the no-trade work paperwork was filed correctly and on time. So for whatever reason, the NHL and the Golden Knights believe the no-trade clause did not exist. I don't know if that's Ottawa's fault for trying to tell them that. But Evgeny Dodonov apparently did, in fact, file his no-trade list on time. So he should have a no-trade list. Also, uh, Cap Friendly tweeted this out. If the trade is not approved, Evgeny Dodonov's cap remains on the Golden Knights. If their long-term IR players become healthy, they must be activated. And they can't be 100% under the salary cap if everybody comes back. So if they are to shed cap through a trade, the traded player would not be eligible to play in any NHL game for the remainder of the season. So technically speaking, the Golden Knights could still trade Evgeny Dodonov to another team. But Dodonov would not be able to play the rest of the regular season or the postseason for whatever team he got traded to. One thing that stands out to me about all you just said from Friedman is Ottawa to Vegas, a team Dodonov could not block. What would have been to the point for Ottawa not to have said that there still existed a 10-team list if they if he couldn't block Vegas? Why did they, I'm not saying they – well, I don't know. Did they keep it quiet? I, I have no idea. I'm com- completely confused by all of this. But – did they not? They said that Golden Knights and the NHL were led to believe, led to believe by who? By Ottawa? That's I mean, did they, not, here. did they yeah. not know what was going on with well, the yeah, that, player? That is, I think that's the key phrase, led to believe that the yeah. protection, that the no trade list had expired or wasn't filed properly. That has to which, be by Ottawa. There's only two people in this. Besides, well, I don't think the agent was on this call. I, I don't know if agents are on calls like this, but probably not because they let the agent know their guy was traded. But that has to come from Ottawa when they says the Golden Knights and NHL were led to believe. Ottawa had to lead them to believe that. Yeah. So did the Senators think, you know what, uh, we're just going to ignore the trade, uh, no trade list because no we're going to 
we're going to get a better deal out of this from the Golden Knights. That might have been it, because if you have a guy coming with a 10-no trade, maybe you're not going to give as much back. Yeah. I mean, what did what did they? It was a third-round pick and Nick Holden. That's what the Golden Knights okay. sent to Ottawa. So maybe it was, if, he, if he's got a 10-team no-trade list, maybe it's a fourth-round pick instead of a third-round pick. I I don't know, but you're right. The, the phrasing led to believe very much implies that Ottawa intentionally, maybe unintentionally, uh, didn't tell the Golden Knights or the NHL about this no-trade list. So so they could still trade him. Yes, the Golden Knights can still... Well, they can still trade anybody. But if you trade that player right now, he cannot play for whatever team he gets sent to. So if you're trading Evgeny Dodonov to a team not on his no-trade list, you're going to have to give them a pick because otherwise they're just acquiring cap space for something they cannot I was going to say, use. the cap space is off you. Right, so you're going to have to add a pick to that just to get rid of the cap hit that Evgeny Dodonov has, which, I don't know. I think you just say, hey, Mark Stone, we know you're healthy. Yeah, but six more games. You can wait. <laughs> tell him your back still feels a little yeah. hurt, and we'll be ready to go for game one of the playoffs because we're not dumping this guy for nothing.